The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. All right, everyone, welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here with my boy Al. What's up, man? Doing well. I am excited about tonight's podcast. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. I have too. I have too. Um, because it is one of my favorite actors that we, uh, well, not one of my favorite. Well, it is one of my favorite actors, but it's also one of my new favorite movies, I think, that we're talking about. We are talking about a movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And boy, what a great amount of talent is, is in this thing. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, um, this is a movie starring the one and only Nick Cage as himself, Nick Cage. Who better to play Nick Cage than Nick Cage? I don't think there's anyone who, in the world who could do it. Uh, so just to kind of give the synopsis on what this movie is, um, I'm just reading it straight from good old Google. Unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when a CIA operative recruits Cage for an unusual mission. Taking on the role of a lifetime, he soon finds himself channeling his most iconic and beloved characters to save himself and his loved ones. Yes, yes. And I, I feel like, you know, I feel like it doesn't even do it justice. I'll just I was just thinking the same exact thing. I was like, that sounds cool, but does it just does not sum up what this is. This, this movie is so much more epic than that in fact so it just more. it's it's so epic that it's just freaking wrong it's just freaking that it's so excited man <laughs> <laughs> okay oh man the back we just gotta say so steve and i uh i brought up the movie to steve and steve kind of maybe it was on the last podcast i forget if we were live or not maybe it was afterwards but he said hey like are you actually a nick cage fan or are you like a nick cage fan because it's kind of weird to be i was like no i actually do so right this movie I really think is geared towards Nick Cage fans. I yeah, I, I would say that if you're a casual watcher of action movies or slightly comedy, you might find the movie okay. I really think that this movie, if you like Nick Cage, there is a very, very good chance that you will love this movie. Yeah. And if Nick Cage irritates you or you don't care for him or you're kind of iffy about him, you probably will not like it. Um, it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's a, um, the movie definitely has a target audience. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, it definitely has a target audience. But one of the points that I actually wanted to make is that I, you know, a lot of people who I think weren't in that hardcore, like Nick, Nick Cage camp necessarily, and probably some who were as well. Um, I, I saw a lot of people just looking at people's thoughts of the movie and everything after I watched it. Uh, did this movie remind people on a, on a very serious note? Like how good and dynamic of an actor he is. He just really is. Like for a while, I don't know what it is. For for at least the last probably decade or so, it's just been cool 
to like diss Nicolas Cage for some reason. Kind of in the same way that it's it's like cool to diss Nickelback. You know, I don't I know it's <laughs> yes. cool to diss Nickelback, but it was for a while. Yeah. But I always thought that aside from the fact that I think some of their music is vulgar unnecessarily so. I actually always thought that Nickelback was a really good band. Absolutely. And I I never really understood why people didn't like Nickelback other than <laughs> just it it's Nick- being fun it to just Nickelback. It's uh it's one of those things where I don't know if it's because of just a change in how people see movies. So I I really value, I know you do too, actors who I always reference Christian Bale because I think he's one of the best at it. Where when I watch him, I forget that he is playing Christian Bale. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that he is Christian Bale. Whereas <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage, on the other hand, through the whole movie, I'm like, that's Nick Cage. And so he has this very, he is an amazing, talented actor, but not in the way that most people would say he's a good actor. He is very unconventional yeah. and his acting is very unnatural. Um, he has these mannerisms and his characters are over the top. And so when you watch a Nick Cage movie, you're really not watching a movie to see a method actor really get into a character. Part. Right. I say doesn't get into a character, but his characters are totally different than what convention really says it should be. Yeah, I completely agree with that assessment. Um, and the movie itself was just so well done and exhibits i mean it really does just bring out all the best parts of nicholas cage it's like all the things that you love that true nicholas cage fans love nicholas cage for you will get two hours of that in this in this movie and it's just it's so it's it's it sort of visually represents all the things that you always wanted to express about your undying love for nick cage that's absolutely before we really dig into the movie itself, um, little heads up for those who might have sensitive ears in the house. This movie, one thing that I love about it, but also something to be careful about, is it really tiptoes the line between uh, should I be watching this with my 12-year-old or should I not be? So there, I don't uh, think it tiptoes the line. You should definitely not watch it. <laughs> okay, Steve's, Steve's going to yeah, Steve's gonna go all the way there. I, I probably would recommend that as well. But uh, yeah. so just be prepared. Very much geared towards adult fans of Nick Cage. Just want to yeah. that up there. Yep, yep, hundred percent. And that I mean, that's not too unsurprising, given his past roles. Yeah, a lot absolutely. Of his past roles have have been more you know adult focused. But um, I just I don't know. I can't get past this. It, it for me, it did that. It it even as much as I love Nick Cage and have always loved Nick Cage, this movie definitely for me served as a reminder of just how solid. Um, and, and skilled that he is at what he does. So a reminder yeah, 100%. Of, of how good he is. And um, not just a confirmation of that, but I just felt like, I don't know. I'm not saying it was his best movie, but you just, you saw the best of Nick Cage in this movie. Like I this agree. was Nick Cage through and through. Anyway, so let's get to uh, kind of the, the grid of it. So what to expect when you get into this movie? I think this movie is so many things packed into one neat little box but i would say the number one thing is uh comedy just so many laughs from nick cage himself to um honestly pascal too his uh his buddy in the movie um he brings the laughter as well just say a movie where if you like nick cage and you just like funny movies anyway that this movie will make you die laughing oh yeah so many times where either Nick Cage would get into character or lose himself. And I mean, I think we were just like, we were about just about rolling on the floor with laughter on so many parts. 
Yeah, we did a double header that night between this and Space Cowboys. Yes. I thought I was gonna lose a lung or something, man. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy. And I probably I think my favorite just thing about the movie. I mean, it's kind of like how Jesus is my favorite thing about the Bible because it has to be. Like my favorite thing about the movie, of, of course, is Nick Cage. So like that, you have to set that aside. But aside from that, my favorite thing about the movie is how like the other main character is a diehard Nick Cage fan. Yeah. It's like It's like you are sort of almost identified with this other guy in the movie because they know that if you're watching this movie, you're probably a hardcore Nick Cage fan. And so you're just like, yes, I get this guy, you know? I, You know what? That's a really good point because uh, a movie like this really could have gone with another direction where this guy brings him out there, um, to, you know, to his to his mansion um, and he doesn't like him and he's trying to maybe ruin his career. So it could have gone a totally different right. route. But the fact that one at the beginning, the intro uh, with the girl watching the Nick Cage movie to um, the second main character there, Javi, love it. Like literally the biggest Nick Cage fan in the world. Yeah. Just reiterates the fact that this is a Nick Cage movie. And Nick Cage freaking rocks. <laughs> yeah yes i agree man um it's totally. so it it might seem like we really are kind of beating a dead horse sorry i don't know if you're allowed to say it anymore um whatever the thank equivalent to that is um, you are i'm giving okay. permission you thank you it. thank you um but it really does come down to this movie is great because of nick cage like yes mm -hmm. it's a, it is a great comedy there are other yeah. stuff um, Pascal does a great job with his character. It's also a great action movie too. Like the, the plot itself is really good. Um, really cool, like twists and turns, but it really, yeah. dude, this movie is amazing because of Nick Cage. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I wrote down in my notes, a movie about Nicolas Cage being Nick Cage. I mean, what's not to love? I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's perfect. Oh yeah. And I have, um, I have here in my notes and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Um, as far as how much of a say. I don't even know if that's the right word. Do you think Nick Cage had into this movie? I don't even know who directed it. I don't think it was Nick Cage. But I, like, as far as I don't know, because he was really able to express himself in this movie. Like, it is Nick Cage through and through. And I wonder if the director, you know, really like in his writing, like brought that out, or if he really just kind of let Nick Cage take control a lot in developing certain aspects. I'm really curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. We should we should look at that. I don't I don't know. I mean, probably should. It's have. it's hard. In one sense, I think it would be awfully hard for you to place limits, right? As a director, mm. on the like, in one sense, it's it's almost like the director of this movie. His job should honestly be to make sure that Nick Cage is bringing out the best Nick Cage that Nick could possibly. Oh age. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I that's remember really what the movie I, should be about. I remember when I first heard the title, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I just, and I just thought, no better person than Nick Cage. Like, <laughs> no better person. It's so good. Now, to kind of um, kind of take a little um, little serious thing here, because again, just try to apply this to yourself and whatever you're doing in life. Um, Nick Cage isn't someone who settled for, um, you know, either method acting or trying to do things a certain way he really is himself through and through in his movies right. and that shows and i think that is really important that kind of growing up through like when i was a kid or even a teenager i copied a lot of different story ideas from other authors that i like like Tolkien and other people um 
But as you obviously step into, you know, adulthood and really kind of wrap your mind around things. Um, yeah, there are certain formulas that you can stick to to make things work. But man, if you know that there's something different, but this is something that took a long, long time for me to realize, like within the last like six months, I want to say is that you're unique in your own unique way. There's something different about you compared to other yeah. people. And so really like find out what that is and latch onto it. Because even though mm -hmm. you may not think it's interesting, other people will. Um, so yeah, just, I think that's just really good Man. advice for whatever you're doing in life. Are we the same person? I'm just really like, <laughs> probably, well, probably there's a 20% chance. Well, I say, because I don't think we've talked about this, um, you know, but me and you, but, but honestly, I, I've recently come to the same realization. Me and my wife were just mm -hmm. talking about it recently. That's funny. Um, I, and, and this might sound a little selfish, but hopefully you can apply it. Like I'm, I'm talking about myself because the context is me. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, I do a lot of, of despite how introverted I am and how much I love just sitting in this in in between these four walls with the windows <laughs> with the windows is down the the curtains is down as they will possibly go and all of that um I do a lot of um of sort of presentation stuff like whether I'm teaching at church you know publicly or I'm doing a podcast or I'm writing or I'm doing a webinar or a video interview or just whatever um I do a lot of public facing stuff and, you know, I, I certainly over the years in different capacities have tried to, I don't, I don't want to say necessarily copy, but I mean, I've really tried to borrow heavily from elements of other people's thing and it's never really yep. worked for me. And, um, I just sort of recently had this, it's not like I could pinpoint what makes me different as a, as a presenter or whatever, but like when I'm, it's easy. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but like when I'm, when I'm being the most me in those capacities, mm -hmm. it's number one, it feels the best. I can feel the difference between when I'm being the most me and when I'm trying to be somebody else. Okay. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I can, I can feel it. And whenever I am being the most me that I could be, I, <laughs> I get comments from people about like how well it comes across or whatever. And again, I don't say that in a bragging way. I say that to to be very much an encouragement that if you are someone who's going through this, like trying to figure out what what your voice is, who you are in the world, like just make sure, you know, it's the most you as possible yeah. because there's the information or whatever, like the, there's plenty of information and entertainment out there in the world. Like the world doesn't need just another whoever, yeah. right? The the world, what the world is missing right now is you is is your expression the the thoughts that you have about particular ideas the entertainment that you can give um and and the style of delivery that you have and frankly I mean, to bring it back around i think that's probably what makes nick cage so interesting nobody like if somebody was trying to do nick cage you would know and it would be terrible like you would know yeah. and it would be terrible uh right the only nick person cage, the only one who can do it the only person who obviously is not Nick Cage, but separate, but kind of a similar aspect is Johnny Depp, where his characters are very unique as well. Those are it's really kind of true. And, and so, but, it, and it goes to, listen, everyone is unique. Everyone has their own thing. The one way that you can really set yourself apart, though, is by actually bringing that out. You That's know, right. out of, out of the, for every one Nick Cage, there are how many hundreds, probably even thousands of people who decide not to do that because either they are scared or they don't think they they have something special about them so i mean really talking to people here who want to be either successful or want to try to do something stand out or just be the best person you can be 
people will notice, pay attention, and really give you opportunity to, you know, be your full self if you just put yourself out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, awesome. I think to, to bring it back to the movie a little bit, yeah. and, and another thing that I, um, I liked about this, or I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like it or if it's just a fact, but I had a hard time telling um, where, like, what in the movie was fictional and what was based yeah. somewhat yeah, in reality. And maybe that was kind of the point. I don't know, but, but that was probably part of the allure of, of, of the movie. But, like, I, it seemed to me, you know, I, I'm not, like, I'm a Nick Cage fan, but I'm not, like, a read the tabloids and know what's going on in Nick Cage. Yeah, like, like yeah. I'm not a Nick Cage fact checker, okay? So forgive me. But it's, like, I, 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 you know, um, so I couldn't tell, like, when they made references to, like, you know, spending tons of money or being, like, washed up in some way or whatever, like, I couldn't tell how much of that was based on things that had happened in real life or based on perceptions of him or just completely made up and to be honest there was probably a little bit of all of it and it was probably yeah. the point but it was an, an interesting part of the movie for me yeah absolutely and um kind of go on the uh kind of his character side not even his real life but if you're afraid that you won't fully enjoy the movie because you can't recall every single nick cage movie you ever watched or character that you've seen him play uh, don't worry about that freshen up on the movies a little bit that you did watch and if you like Nick Cage, you're going to like it. Even if you miss some references. I know I did. I, I got to go back. But after watching this, makes you want to go back and watch every single Nick Cage movie now. Like, I'm so oh, I know. at some point. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, like what Steve said, you know, based on his his real life, uh, obviously he's had stuff go on. But yeah, you can watch this movie and just fully enjoy Nick Cage for what he is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. Um, one thing that I wanted to say, this movie has so many things. And I think one thing it does fantastically i can't think of a better movie at least from my personal opinion is the the buddy romance that's involved in this movie it is incredible it's incredible um so between alvin between nick cage and in the movie pascal plays javi uh, his number one fan and the way it just naturally develops into Again, spoilers, so just be prepared, develops into them thinking that they have to basically like end each other's lives to them realizing in that moment, like, no, I think they're yelling at each other, like, I love you. Well, I love you. And then they, then they bond together. And then it's just, it's a great movie. Um, just look. So if you have a best bro out there, watch it with them. Trust me. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other, the only other movie that, um, uh, that's coming to mind that maybe does this well. I'll be honest, I haven't really even seen these. Is the Dumber and Dumber series? Would you consider those like a bromance sort of thing? I'm not. I'm not sure if they like. I know they have like a, that buddy buddy aspect. I think um, it's too silly to take it seriously as yeah. a as a buddy movie. Yes, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I, mean, I like Jim Carrey too. It was pretty silly too. So, oh yeah, Jim Carrey is another. I know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, just amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, well. Um, the the last thing I have to say about specifically about the movie personally is that I just I thought the ending, the way that they did it, um, worked out really well. And, and basically, you know, again, spoiler alert. Basically, the it's very meta. Um, <laughs> the the entire time that this real life scenario is happening, they are talking about making a movie, and like as the movie that you're watching goes on, the movie that they're 
writing keeps on like taking on characteristics of what you're seeing happen and then like basically the last one of the very last scenes of the movie like this i guess you might call it a climax or whatever is where like in the movie that you're watching like this big scene happens and then like the resolution to that piece of the of of the movie it like switches and the characters change and you can tell it's like the end of the actual movie that they made about the movie that you just watched and and they're and they're watching they're in the movie theaters watching a screening of the movie that you just watched that they were making <laughs> and it was perfect i thought you know i thought that went so well and i don't know if i can't remember exactly what the picture was but one of the ending scenes um it might have been in the credits it, it, it might have been like when the end credits were rolling there's like a shot of a city and like there's a big movie poster kind of in the background that's hard to see but actually says the unbearable weight of massive talent on it and i thought that was a neat touch that's so I, um, I love too at the end where it switches to nick cage in the center seat of this huge theater and everyone stands and gives an ovation. He's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. It's just a perfect too. It was honestly like one of the most meta moments I've ever been a part of in my life. And it was absolutely amazing. I this is one of those movies you kind of said at the beginning. I'm saying it here at the end is I don't know where it falls yet into kind of my talk, but it is definitely one of my new favorite movies. Like I will, this is a movie where I will, I will definitely watch over and over again. Um, absolutely trying to and i feel of... like you could appreciate it sorry to interrupt i Very kind of good. feel like it, it's one that you could watch even though it's a silly movie i really do feel like it's one that you could watch over and over again and appreciate in new ways every absolutely time, so. absolutely yeah especially just how it's structured um finding new things in it each time it uh yeah what was i gonna say it, it just it's it's so good yeah i think that um dang i had a trade of thought there anyway sorry about that i just you right again no, you're good. Anyway, it is a fantastic movie. Yep, hundred percent. Now, one of the things that speaking of derailing our trains of thought. Oh, by the way, that's a good movie too. Um, Inside Out, the Disney Pixar movie. Have you seen that? I think it's my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It yep, is your. I would agree. Most people when I mention that, they're like, "Oh, really? Okay, but dude, that that movie brings me to tears every time yep. I watch it. Yeah, it is good." It's a, and it, there's a lot of people who like, it's like really, like that's helped people with their mental health. Like it's really kind of. Oh, absolutely. That's a great yeah. movie. Yeah. Fantastic. So they, they talk about the train of thought in that movie. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, I almost derailed yeah. mine, but thank God I remember Ooh. what I was going to say. We were, but, but hang on, you had an um, so I don't want to derail your new train of thought. Did you have a train of thought that you needed to say? <laughs> there are a lot of freaking trains going on right now. <laughs> Let's just stick to your train. And then if my train differs from yours, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll circle back as they say in the business world. We'll circle back to it. We'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> I'll shoot you an email about it. Um, oh my gosh. Wow. This is going nowhere fast. Um, so, so anyway. Okay. I love that expression. Nowhere fast. Anyway. Right. Yeah, me too. So what we had talked about before going live was that we were going to start off mentioning some of our favorite Nick Cage movies. And instead we got right into talking about how much we loved this movie. So I thought maybe um, pending Alex's um that he might return to later, I thought maybe we would just dive into talk, just mentioning uh, some of our favorite Nick Cage movies before going into our stories of the week. That sound good? That was my um. So we had the same train. We were we had the same ticket. 
Beautiful. We were we were uh, at the same train station, you might say. Definitely. All right. So I'll, I'll go ahead and take it off first. So yeah, um, he has so many good ones, but he's just my personal favorite. I think probably my favorite Nick Cage movie. To be honest, honestly, it, it actually might be the unbearable weight at this point. It might be, but mm, excusing yeah. that, um, I really love Guarding Tess. Um, yeah, just a great, just a great movie. You see a lot of Nick Cage coming out as Nick Cage and just filling that character, and it's a very heartfelt movie. Really great one. Face Off, just an amazing, just action suspenseful movie. That's a great one. Uh, Gone in sixty seconds. I've only actually seen that a couple times. I just remember mm. watching it, really liking. I need to revisit that one. One that I totally forgot about until I was looking up this stuff is The Family Man. Um, if someone wants to see a little bit more of a kind of sentimental movie, um, that's a great one. And it's kind of known for being slightly a Christmas movie, um, but a really great one if you like kind of sentimental things and seeing a little bit lesser um, Nick Cage. And then National Treasure. Uh, that movie is just, uh, it's just, a, just a fun movie. It's a fun yep. movie. You can watch it with your kids. Um, it's a great one. Movies I haven't seen yet, I really need to, are Mandy and Pig. I need to see those. Like, they're supposed to be amazing. And then, Steve and I time beforehand, um, even though I haven't seen it, Steve has, I wanted to give a shout out that he played in the Left Behind movie that came out in 2014. I just think that's incredible. Like, that's just amazing. <laughs> the, the only thing worse and better than a Left Behind movie is a Left Behind movie. <laughs> With Nick Cage. You said that perfect. It, it must be so bad, but so good. It's got yep. to be like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And if you don't, you are definitely not Christian enough if you don't get the joke about Left Behind. But anyway, it's, um, it's, uh, it, it's, we'll just leave it there. We'll just leave it right there. Yes. For me, um, my favorite, uh, Nick Cage movies, uh, would be Con Air. Mm-hmm. I'll just run through them quickly, but Con Air, Guarding Tess, National Treasure, and uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, I think would be some of my favorites. Um, why? We should three of them. Uh, Con Air, um, it, it's just good. It, to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, maybe I shouldn't think that, but to me, it's just a darn good story. And when I yeah. hear, when I hear Trisha Yearwood, I, I can't, I can never <laughs> remember if it's the Trisha Yearwood or the Leanne Rhymes version. I think it's Trisha Yearwood. But when I hear, how can I live without, man, I'm telling you what I get. I literally, I see Nicolas Cage with long hair talking to that little girl holding that rabbit or whatever. Every single time I hear that song and I'm just like, it's so great. It's so amazing. Guarding test. I mean, how can you I like your guarding test? It is, it is such. We need to watch good, that one together sometime. The, the only great. thing the only thing about guarding tests, and it is, it is obviously nobody's fault. It's just one of those things where associations get created in your mind, and you can't, you can't help it. We were watching guarding tests um, when we got the call that my grandfather had actually passed away in the hospital, oh, and really? so like, yeah, so. I do have that like little bit of negative association. I have a similar one with uh, one of my favorite bands growing up was some 41. And I remember when he was really sick, um, you know, going to the hospital to visit him when I, and I, you know, and I was younger. And so like, I remember like I was listening to an album and I remember what it was. And so like every time a song from that album, like I hear it, it, it brings me back. But so obviously that just goes to the power of stories and how associations mm, get created. Um, but other than that, other than that, Guarding Test is absolutely one of my favorite movies. And it's just, to me, that perfect blend of funny Nick Cage and serious, like, yeah, this movie has some serious tones um, going on. National Treasure, dude, just so it, is, fun. it is so fun. I am such 
a sucker for movies like that. I mean, honestly, and I, I don't know that I can think of a, a National Treasure-esque movie that does that better than mm -hmm. National Treasure does. And the Nicolas Cage of it all is great. I've seen the second and third ones, and I thought they were actually not that bad either. I mean, definitely not as good as the first. Um, mm -hmm. But but I, I didn't think they were bad. And they those movies kind of um, toe that line between like, like, you know, it's not real. But at the same time, the world is just crazy <laughs> enough. The world is just crazy enough that you could yeah. that you could see it, and it's 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 real enough to be fun and it bring up that sort of adventure. And to get a great you. family movie, get those kids introduced to good old hundred percent. And Gone in sixty seconds. I mean, Nick Cage and Fast Cars. I, I just don't understand how you couldn't possibly love that. Um, so. And as Javi said, he did all his driving stunts in that. Hundred percent, yes, hundred percent. And I, I thought, actually, that's one I need to watch again because I forget the actual plot, but I do remember that it was it was great. So it was, it was um, a good movie. I was absolutely yeah, that was a good one. All right, story of the week. Why don't you take it away first this time? Yeah, I will. So my story of the week, pretty simple. I am, um, you know, I'm a fan of things that help me productivity wise and focus wise and whatever. And so I recently found this app that it's it would it would be an oversimplification to say, but it's basically a sound machine app. Um, that uh, according to whatever, like, again, I'm no expert here, but according to doctors and whatever, and there's research studies about this, it, it is music that is, um, it's not really music, it's, it's a soundscape is what it's called. And there's various soundscapes that they have created for sleep and for focus and for relaxation, et cetera, that supposedly uses even like heart rate data from the Apple Watch and um, information about like, like the weather, like it reacts differently based on if it's like cloudy outside, if it's raining or if it's a sunny day. Um, also, depending on what time of the day it is. And so it it kind of inputs all these factors and plays a continuous soundscape uh, for you. Now, my wife hates it because she feels like it's, it like never has a resolution. Me, I love it because it helps me focus it's it's not it's it's kind of like listening to a movie score or something except movie scores you can really get into them and sometimes they actually like the focus gets drawn away from what you're working on into the score the point of this is almost to forget that it's there it's really just supposed to point you back into the work that you're doing and so it's an app you can you can get i paid for a year of it you know it's like it was like 50 something bucks for the year um and uh, I've, I can get it on my iPhone, my iPad, and my Mac. And so I always have it when I'm working and, and needing to focus or whatever. And um, it's great. Yeah, so it's called Endel, E-N-D-E-L. And, um, you know, I, I love it. So it's, it's helpful and it helps me focus. At least I feel like it does. And so maybe it's a placebo, but it's a good one. So All of these things that Steve does are just placebo effects, but they're working. Absolutely. So are they placebos? Hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's... It's like that app I found Sunsama, you know, it's like, a, it's like, it's just time blocking, right? Ultimately, it's just time blocking. But at the end of the day, it's, it's helping me be more effective than I've been in years, which is like, yeah. man, like how crazy. So no, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so my story of the week is something that, um, um, Steve is actually much more involved in than me. And I've, he's kind of introduced it to me. So I thank him for that. But, um, the naked Bible podcast for anyone not familiar um, probably would only pertain to people who are Christian, but if you just have any interest at all and just kind of some stuff you've heard from your Christian buddies or kind of wondering some things, I definitely recommend it for Christians, but um, I guess it could be for anyone. So it's the Naked Bible Podcast. I'll just read it because it's a good description. It's a biblical theology stripped bare of denominational confessions and theological systems by exposing context. 
I think that's a very apt description of what Heiser does. Um, and basically mm -hmm. he takes, um, religion out of it. He takes, um, things that you've always assumed to be true or right. And he really digs down into issues. The first one, just getting through the podcast was about baptism. I think it was seven, 10 minute episodes dedicated just to everything that we think about baptism and how it might not necessarily be what we thought and how it, um, relates to stuff in the old Testament and, um, just fantastic. And I'm sure I'll get to things that I disagree with him on, but for the most part, um, just really great at just getting down to the core issue on what the Bible is talking about, um, and stripping away the past 2000 years of what we've kind of yeah. assembled in our minds of what things are. I don't know. I'm sure you have something to add to that too, Steve. I just know that you're a, you're a big fan of that too. And you introduced me to him. Oh yeah. Um, I'll tell you, <laughs> um, Mike Kaiser is, I owe a lot to him. Um, he actually, right now he's going through cancer. So if you're the prayer mm -hmm. kind, praying kind, pray for him. He's got, um, um, oh, why can I not remember what kind of cancer? I want to, it might be pancreatic cancer. I can't remember, which is pretty common. Um, and, uh, but he's anyway, so he's going through that right now, going through chemotherapy. Um, he actually just released a paid online community to help with the continuity of his content and stuff. And I joined mm -hmm. it right away, 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Um, you get private Q and A's and all this stuff. Neat. Anyway, um, Dr. Heiser is a, a, a way that if you're still listening to this and you're not like a Christian and you're like, well, this doesn't seem to apply to me. Um, it actually, it actually might. So there's, he's got a YouTube channel. Um, he's got a couple YouTube channels, but he's got one that's not necessarily just for Christians. It's called fringe pop three, two, one. Um, and, uh, they've got 34,000 subscribers and it's kind of like a YouTube esque version of, um, something like Ripley's believe it or not, or unsolved mysteries or like something like that. But it's, it's like usually, um, you know, 10 to somewhere around 10 to 20 minute episodes, depending sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less. And it's him talking through a lot of the weird stuff and you'll, you'll get it as soon as you see the channel. And so you can, it's sort of a low, um, low barrier to entry way, especially if you're not into the Bible stuff, sort of a low barrier entry way to like get used to this guy. It's really cool because he's not afraid to go to the dark reaches, so to speak of, of, um, of, of people who are into like the alien stuff and like the fringe stuff, because believe it or not, those are people who he has found to be like more receptive to, the, you know, spirituality and to the, to the reality of the fact that the world is not reducible to physicalism and materialism. And so, and, 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 you know, again, Dr. Heiser is a credentialed, like ancient near Eastern Semitics scholar. He knows multiple languages. He teaches multiple languages. I mean, he's the real deal. Excuse and yeah, he's a, He's able to really simplify concepts and he's one of those guys that it's like, he's so smart that in my humble opinion, he like, he, he should not be dismissed for his values, for his convictions, for his beliefs. Like he's smart enough that he deserves to be, you know, to be sort of heard out. And so a lot of people who stumble upon his work, um, there are a lot of people who become Christians as a result of his work, because it's like what he teaches about the Bible finally puts together pieces of the puzzle for them that they had always wondered about, but it didn't, you know, it, they had, they weren't hearing in church on Sunday morning. Um, and so lost interest. Um, and that's not to say that he's making stuff up. He's very much not. In fact, he'll tell you, but that's like the big secret of, of Mike. Like there are some ideas that get associated with him because he's popularized them, but he's a, um, his, his knowledge base of resources is like almost as long as the books that, he 
uh, rights. And, mm -hmm. and so it's like, you can, uh, what's there's a statement that I, I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to say this. So like, I'm just going to, you know, this is the story of the week time. We got just a few minutes here. So, oh, yeah, we're uh, good. Well, so one of the, one of the big things that his work focuses around is, um, what he calls the divine council worldview. Um, he at other times calls it the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, referencing Deuteronomy chapter 32 in the Bible. And it's all talking about the same thing. And um, the uh, event that a, a lot of the stuff centers around, or at least one of the big events that it centers around is the, um, it's Genesis six in the, in the Bible, where you've got this idea of the sons of God and the daughters of men. And there were giants in the earth. And, and it's like, you know the pastor's demon. scripture that you don't hear your pastor read too often <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's exactly right and so um it's and, and if you do hear them talk about it a lot of times it's like it's like sanitized um and it's not really reflective of what happens in in the biblical account and and so um i'm gonna try to say this in the most concise way i can although so far i'm, I'm not doing a very very good job and i'm still trying to refine this but what he what he's teaching, if you look at the source material behind it, is um, virtually undeniable. Okay, and again, it's not. There's not many things that you can sort of say that uh, about. Um, it, it's it's like I wish I could get people to understand, even as crazy as it might sound, like the biblical. And just to kind of simplify this a little bit, Genesis six verses one through four. It's obviously a very short passage of scripture. It's only four verses, but a lot of like the central ideas that he talks about come back to those four verses, but those four verses are referencing something that is well, well abundantly attested to as much as you can, as much as it basically can be considering thousands of year old documents. It's, it's attesting to events and scenarios that are um, again, well attested to in other sources. And even if you look into the New Testament, two New Testament writers, Peter and Jude, reference back to these same things. And so you have people, because of how weird this this mm. this uh, passage of Scripture, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and others, like it sounds really, really weird. And so they try to sort of, you know, sanitize them and make them a little bit more palatable. And there's another book called Fallen by Tim Chafee, who is probably even more conservative theologically. Actually, he is more conservative theologically than Dr. Heiser is. And he does a good book or a good job in his book called Fallen, um, tracing the history of these things. And in, in, in that book, which you definitely need to read, Alex, in that book, he talks a lot about how like this really spiritual interpretation of this stuff was like, was kind of like, duh, duh. for people. Yeah. Honestly, up until the time of um um thomas aquinas and then like the reformers after him so like calvin and luther like these guys were like oh this is and it, what we're talking about is like fallen angel stuff and stuff like that and and and, and luther and calvin these guys are just like eh, this stuff all sounds really weird and like he literally he quotes them and tim chafee does this but he literally quotes them talking about how how weird this stuff is. And it's like, we, we shouldn't really be believing all this stuff because it sounds weird. But like prior to that time, you could trace early Jewish and Christian belief of how they absolutely affirmed this particular worldview. So I, I'm going to wrap up. Um, but all, all, I guess all I want to say is like Heiser has done a great service to the church that I think mm -hmm. 
even as long as he's been around, I think it's still going to take a very long time, probably well after he's gone, for people to truly understand and come to an appreciation of what he has, what he has really done, and what he has given the church. Yeah, for um, so I I read through the unseen realm. I know there's a more introductory book. What's the, the other one called? Called Supernatural. Yeah. Supernatural. That's a little bit less heavy, I guess you could say. I started off right with the unseen realm, um, again, like six months or so ago. But so for people who are listening who may, may not be Christian, again, still a fun listen to. Like if you just really find yeah. like uh, theology interesting or um, like, you know, kind of, you know, spiritual stuff or whatever. If you just like learning about things, like have a listen. I'll help you understand at least more of what we think, what the Bible says. And at the very yeah. least, it'll just be fun for you. For Christians, though, who I guess for lack of saying anything better, want to take like the next kind of step and just kind of really dig into the Bible a little bit more. I, I remember, I don't know if conservatives is right where I don't think it is, but I've kind of been, you know, taught and preached at by kind of looking at the Bible and not, I would say not a conservative, but in, in honestly a too materialistic sort of way where yeah. things in the Bible are downplayed, where you have the sons of God and you have other areas where, pastors kind of say, oh, well, this just references like either like this tribe of people or this represents this. And it just kind of gets explained away. And it always, I never knew in my mind like, oh, well, that's wrong. But I always felt like, eh, that's okay. Like whatever. That's weird. Yeah. And then if you're one of those people listening right now and you felt the same way within the first chapter to a reading the unseen realm, it just clicked immediately. Like this makes sense. Like, yeah, as if someone were to tell you what it's about on the service, like, hey, yeah, here's actually what's happening, like going on in, in the universe and, and with God and everything, you might be like, okay, that seems a little weird, but you would be surprised at how many verses in the Bible and passages talk about just plainly um, the divine counsel and how yeah. they interact with God. I mean, it's just, it is incredible. Well, here's one, here's one that any Christian listening will, will identify with, okay? Have you ever thought? Okay. Have you ever thought reading through your Bible, it was awfully weird that ancient cultures crafted stone and golden and wooden idols and worshiped them? Ha and has anybody ever really thought for two seconds about that? That like, oh yeah, these ancient cultures actually thought that these mm. gods that they made with their hands, these idols were worthy of worship. If you say that out loud and think about it for three seconds, it's like, oh, that's actually the dumbest thing ever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what I thought my entire life growing up as a Christian. I was under the idea that the Israelites worshiped the one true in, and, and that's in this part of it's true, right? The Israelites worship the one true creator, um, God of the spiritual world. And then all these other cultures were just dumb and, just and, and like built <laughs> idols and like bowed down to them and worshiped them. And it's like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. I mean, yeah, these people lived thousands of years ago, but they weren't like complete idiots. Okay. They, they, and so there's a whole logic behind that. And, and the brief version of that logic is they worshiped real spiritual beings that inhabited those things. Um, and so anyway, that's to what, to whet your appetite. If you're a Christian listening, I would actually encourage you, unless you're like super like the academic type, okay? If you're the academic type, dive into the Unseen Realm. The yeah. thing the Unseen Realm doesn't give you is why you should care about this, okay? Yeah. The Unseen Realm doesn't really give you the why it should care or why you should care. It's it's more academic in nature, even though it's – I mean it's well-written. Don't get me wrong. I mean it's written for lay audiences to understand, yeah. um, but it, it's definitely a more academically – 
um, written book with lots of footnotes, et cetera. The, the um, supernatural, you're not going to get any of those footnotes, and and you're going to get um, at the end of each chapter, there is I forget exactly what they call it, but it's basically a why you should care section mm. um, that explains to you what the implications in, in your spiritual life and in your walk with God, um, this, uh, this truth about reality has. So anyway, it's, it's really good, really important. And uh, if, it, if you're ever, if you ever thought, Hey, I'm bored at church, I'm <laughs> bored by the Bible, read you some Dr. Ooh, Heisen, and you you will, he's, actually, <laughs> he's actually got a book and this might be a good place to start. He's actually got a book called, I dare you to bore me with the Bible. And it's just, it's just a little book full of these little zingers. I will, like, like we've been talking. I know about. we keep on going, but we'll say this after just kind of, you know, like reading this book and just talking to Steve and first of all, find, you know, if you're a Christian, your life should be, you know, have Christian friends and, you know, and live the life. And so Steve and I talk all the time about this stuff. And so just having the reality of that and just kind of reading this book and understanding more, man, whenever I, I open up and read my emotions now, it's just a whole new world. Like I, I don't get right. bored and I don't think what's yeah. the point of this? Like it just, it's just totally different. But yeah, anyway, obviously you see Steve and I are very passionate about this. If you have any yeah. questions or want to talk to us, just reach out and love to talk. To you. We should honestly, and, and you know, we, we may do an episode just on this, just to talk about this. And I, I might even make it sort of a joint one and use the audio for my Bible nerd podcast, a uh, plug for yeah. the Bible nerd podcast. Uh, but I, I think, nerd. I think even if you're not a Christian, seriously, I really think that there's some valuable things from a storytelling perspective to, to learn about when we're talking about this kind of thing. So maybe we'll do a whole episode on that sometime. So. Definitely. Thank you for sticking around with us this long, all all two of you. So we really yeah, appreciate it. From, <laughs> if we're lucky, there's, it's, it's me and you. Uh, we, we somehow made it from Nick Cage to Fallen Angels in one podcast episode. So <laughs> he did play him with mine. Mm, that's true that's true okay we have to cut it off right, now right. or it's gonna <laughs> off the rails thank you everyone for listening yeah much love see you later